So, who are we? I don't really ask that as, you know, like a self-reflective existential question. I guess that could be part of it. But, but more importantly, who are we as we see each other? You know, do we really see each other? We, we worship together. We, we sing songs together. We shake hands. We smile. We, we pass the peace. We greet our neighbor. Um, but do we really know each other? Do we, do we really see each other as who we are in this space, in this community of worship, of friends, of discipleship? Do we know who our neighbors are worshiping with us online, digitally? Do we really see each other as who we are? Because life can kind of have a way of, of our just sort of passing through each other. And we intersect and we may even talk and we may share a bit. But do we see that person for themselves in the way that they have been created or do we start to put them in a box? We've all probably heard about the first impression. You know, it only takes a few seconds to make that first impression. But one of the things we don't really talk a lot about is how sometimes or maybe most often it's really an all impression. In other words, that that person that we have conjured up, that we are uh, speaking with and interacting with, that first impression can stay as an all impression the way that we see them and thus the way that we interact with them for the rest of our lives. And everything after that um, just keeps stacking on top of each other. All of our interactions, all of the niceties, sometimes the not niceties, all of those continue to build up in that frame of what we call an all impression until finally it breaks. Take, for example, because we're in the season, the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now, Neil Page, played by Steve Martin, is this very... um, this very put together marketing executive who really has little time for anything or anyone else that he does not consider to be important. And... He's trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And in the midst of his travels, he encounters um, this guy by the name of Del Griffith. Del Griffith is a shower curtain ring salesman. Um, and Neil definitely sums him up in total in about 30 seconds. He's got this guy figured out and he is the most annoying person on the face of the earth. So, of course, they find themselves on the same flight. This flight gets rerouted. Uh, away from home because of bad weather. And so in the midst of trying to figure out what to do next, Dell tells Neil that he'll get him a motel room for the night if he can just get him there, get them all checked in. But they find out there's actually only one room and also just one bed available in that room. So we know it can be so easy to build up that other person in our minds, to have that all impression and think we have that person so figured out completely and that everything we have figured out about that person, everything that they are, they are just completely wrong. They say the wrong things, they do the wrong things, and they say and do all of them in the wrong way, which of course makes them even more annoying until we finally just can't take it anymore. You stay in the room. I even let you pay for it so you wouldn't feel like an intruder, which you most certainly are. Oh, I'm an intruder. Yes, you're an intruder. I was having a perfectly nice trip until you walked into my life. I walked into your life. Who was that who talked my ear off on the plane? Who was that? I'm curious. Well, go ahead. Sleep in the lobby. See if I care. I hope you wake up so stiff you can't even move. 
You're no saint. You got a free cab. You got a free room. And someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking? Eventually, I started reading a vomit bag. Didn't that give you some sort of clue? Like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are that are funny or or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. I, I, I could tolerate any any insurance seminar for days. I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, "How can you stand it?" And I'd say, "Because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything." You know what they'd say? They'd say, "I know what you mean." Shower curtain ring guy. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Cuz I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. So I have a Thanksgiving music playlist that I listen to every year, and that song is on it because it reminds me of the times when I have put people in a box, and I think I have them totally figured out, and I treat them that way. And every time I hear that music, I remember what it is that I need to do to think about the complexity of each and every person, that we don't know everyone's full story. Today we come to the end of our message series, not just on stewardship, what it means to give of ourselves, but also to do it in a covenantal way as we lift up once again Wesley's covenant prayer. And we see how it is that John Wesley, who uh, began the Methodist movement into making it everything that we are today, what it meant for him to portray who he is in front of God and how it is that he has come to know who God is. This prayer embodies everything that Wesley saw God promise God would do, and thus what it is that he promises to do as a follower of God. And this is part of our season of stewardship because it is not about me. It's not about what I think. It's not about what I see or how I see it. It is not about my limited perspective or my limited understanding of the world and its people. It is about God. And it's about what God thinks of us, God's creation, 
and how God has created us to be in relationship and to be in community with each other. God showing us who God is and also God telling us who we are to see even when we do not think that person is worth seeing. Because what God has said over and over and over again is show the world. Show the world my love. Remember, when you were lost and you were found. Remember those times when you were noticed, when you were heard, when you were seen. Because there are others out there who need to know that good news too. First Chronicles is a book in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament that shares uh, the idea, the story of the exile, the exile with a big capital E and also exile with a little e. So this is happening in the midst of the uh, Babylonian exile when Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, the Israelites were captured by the Babylonian Empire, forced to live in their homes and their community to worship their God. And eventually they were able to get out. And so they go back home. So there's obviously memories of their ancestors going through the big exile they went through with Exodus wandering in the desert until they were able to find their place. But then there's also all of these little micro exiles still feeling displaced, still wandering, still wondering where their home is, even when they're finally able to get back. So by chapter 29 of First Chronicles, the Israelites have made their way physically back to their home. David is king and they're all working on rebuilding the temple. So King David is kind of doing his own pledge campaign, his own stewardship series to help the people give of their resources, give what they can so that their place of worship may be rebuilt, that they have a place, a place where they can belong and remember who they are. And of course, like any congregation, there are questions, there are uncertainties, there are doubts, there are fears. And David reminds the people why it is important for there to be a space and a symbol of sanctuary. He says in 1 Chronicles 29, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, O God, and of your own have we given you. For we are aliens and transients before you, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow And there is no hope. So, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you search the heart and take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people. I have seen Your people, your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. We are all aliens. We are all transients. We are all strangers trying to find a place to belong, a place we can call home. Wondering if there's anyone out there who sees us, really sees us as who we are and sees what we are going through. And the hope is 
that we have a moment, and sometimes it is just a moment, when we see God seeing us. It could be during a worship service. It could be in a song. It could be as we approach the table of communion and we partake of the bread of the cup when we feel the water upon our hands as we remember the sacrament of baptism. Or it could be when we give of ourselves, when we say to another, I see you. I see you the way God sees you. Neil continues to find himself stuck with Dale. Experience after experience, again and again and again. And in the process, he learns more about Dale. Being a salesman, he discovers that Dale goes everywhere. He knows tons of people all over the country. He wrecks almost everything that he touches. And he loves his wife. He truly loves his wife, Marie. At one point, he says, love is not a big enough word for how I feel about my wife. And so, finally, on the day of Thanksgiving, Neil is able to get back to his city and he gets on that last train home and finally away from this guy. And so as he's finally alone, he's imagining what is waiting for him, his his wife, his kids, his family, a wonderful, beautiful Thanksgiving. But as he's thinking about that, he finds that his thoughts are going more and more back to Dell and the experiences that they have had and the things that he has learned. He really starts thinking about him as a person. And as he does this, he remembers all the things uh, that Dell said and how he said them. But then he also thinks about the things that Dell did not say. And he starts putting things together and he starts realizing a few things. And the more he thinks about him and the more he makes these connections and the more he puts all of this together, he realizes that he needs to go back. said you were going home. What are you doing here? I, uh... I don't have a home. Marie's been dead for eight years. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God becomes real on earth as it is in heaven when we see people as who they really are. And not only do we understand them, but we befriend them. And we say, I've come home and I brought a friend. 
In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people, your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. This is the vow and the covenant we make with God, a covenant which says, I will see you as you have revealed yourself to me, and I will see others the way you have created them, the way you interact with them. I will see them the way that you see them as beloved. And so I will give. I will give of my time. I will give of my talents. I will give of my resources so that all may know that they too are loved. I will give so that the kingdom of heaven is real on the kingdom of earth. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Is that possible? Is it possible to make that vow, that covenant real on earth as God has made it real with us? Can it start maybe with just one person? One person who we see now in a new way, the way that God has always seen. If you go out to our peace pole, which is over here on the northwest side facing the lake, there are many different signs in many different languages that say the same phrase. One of the signs you'll notice is that Hebrew and Arabic are put together. That was intentional. It was intentional to put those two signs together to say the words, may peace prevail. We know the result and the impact of what happens when we do not see each other as people. So how do we change that? We give. We give of our pledges. We give of our offerings, of our gifts. We give of ourselves because people are worth giving to. People are worth sharing with. People are worth being with. Because they are God's people. Because it's not about me. And when we all act in the mindset that it's not about me, then it is about us. It is about God with us. Let us pray together the covenant prayer one last time. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So, like many Thanksgiving meals, we got crumbs, we got water spots, 
we have a big mess here, but you know what? Those are signs that life has happened. And these are signs that covenant has happened. And it's a reminder that covenant is a life that we live. It is more than just a word. And so we, when we pray that covenant prayer, that is what we model our lives to be like. And it is messy. But you know what? That's where the joy comes. That's where the magic, the miracle happens. And so in the way that God sees you, go and see that with those around you. So whether you're hosting, whether you are traveling, whether you're just wondering what that next step is, remember the mess and remember that God is with us in the midst of that mess. Go share that good news with the world and may you have a happy Thanksgiving. Amen.